If you're able to remain standing, please do so and take your copies of God's Word and turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 3. Samuel 3, we'll begin at verse 2 and read to the end of the chapter. Verse 39, hear now the word of God. It is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us. So let us pay close attention. And sons were born to David at Hebron. His firstborn was Amnon of Ahanom of Jezreel. And his second, Kiliab of Abigail, the widow of Nabal. Carmel. And the third, Absalom, the son of Makkah, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur. And the fourth, Adonijah, the son of Agi. And the fifth, Shephatiah, the son of Abital. And the sixth, Ethram of Eglah, David's wife. These were born to David in Hebron. While there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David, Abner was making himself strong in the house of Saul. Now Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizpah, the daughter of Ai. And Ishbosheth said to Abner, Why have you gone into my father's concubine? Then Abner was very angry over the words of Ishbosheth and said, Am I a dog's head of Judah? To this day I keep showing steadfast love to the house of Saul, your father to his brothers and to his friends, and have not given you into the hand of David. And yet you charge me today with a fault concerning a woman. God, do so to Abner more also, if I do not accomplish for David what the Lord has sworn to him, to transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah from Dan to Beersheba. And Ishbosheth could not answer Abner another word because he feared him. And Abner sent messengers to David on his behalf, saying, To whom does the land belong? Make your covenant with me, and behold, my hand shall be with you to bring over all Israel to you. And he said, Good, I will make a covenant with you. But one thing I, I require of you, that is, you shall not see my face. Unless you first bring Michael, Saul's daughter, when you come to see my face. Then David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, Saul's son, saying, Give me my wife Michael, for whom I paid the bridal price of a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. And Ishbosheth sent and took her from her husband, Paltiel, the son of Laish. But her husband went with her, weeping after all the way. To Baharim. Then Abner said to him, Go return. And he returned. And Abner conferred with the elders of Israel, saying, For some time past you have been seeking David as king over you. <clears throat> now then bring it about. For the Lord has promised David, saying, By the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel from the hand of the Philistines and from the hand of all their enemies. Abner also spoke to Benjamin. 
And Abner went to tell David at Hebron that all, all that Israel and the whole house of Benjamin thought good to do. When Abner came with 20 men to David at Hebron, David made a feast for Abner and the men who were with him. And Abner said to David, I will rise and go and will gather all Israel to my Lord the king, that they may make a covenant with you, and that you may reign over all that your heart desires. So David sent Abner away and he went in peace. Just then the servants of David arrived with Joab from a raid, bringing much spoil with them. But Abner was not with David at Hebron, for he had sent him away and he had gone in peace. When Joab and all the army that was with him came, it was told Joab, Abner, the son of Ner, came to the king, and he has let him go, and he has gone in peace. Then Joab went to the king and said, What have you done? Behold, behold, Abner came to you. Why is it that you have sent him away so that he is gone? You know that Abner, the son of Ner, came to deceive you and to know you're going out and you're coming in and to know all that you are doing. When Joab came out from David's presence, he sent messengers after Abner. And they brought him back from the cistern of Syrah. But David did not know about it. And when Abner returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside into the midst of the gate to speak with him privately. And there he struck him in the stomach so that he died for the blood of Asahel, his brother. Afterward, when David heard of it, he said, I and my kingdom are forever guiltless before the Lord for the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. May it fall upon the head of Joab and upon all his father's house. And may the house of Joab never be without one who has a discharge or who is leprous or who holds a spindle or who falls by the sword or who lacks bread. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, killed Abner because he had put their brother Asahel to death in the battle at Gibeon. Then David said to Joab and to all the people who were with him, tear your clothes and put on sackcloth and mourn before Abner. And King David followed the buyer. They buried Abner at Hebron. And the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner and all the people wept. And the king lamented for Abner, saying, Should Abner die as a fool dies? Your hands were not bound, your feet were not fettered. As one falls before the wicked, you have fallen. And all the people wept over, again over him. Then all the people came to persuade David to eat bread while it was yet day. But David swore, saying, God, do so to me more also. If I taste bread or anything else till the sun goes down. And all the people took notice of it and it pleased them. As everything that the king did pleased all the people. So all the people in all Israel understood that day. That it had not been the king's will to put to, put to death Abner the son of Ner. And the king said to his servants. Do you not know that a prince and a great man has fallen this day in Israel? And I was gentle today, though anointed king. These men, the sons of Zeruiah, are more severe than I. The Lord repay the evildoer according to his wickedness. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated.
few weeks ago, we looked at 2 Samuel 2 and the first part of chapter, first verse of chapter 3, and we saw David was anointed king over Judah, but with that there was also war with the house of Saul. We saw a few weeks ago how Abner, the son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, took Ishbosheth and made him king over Israel. Ishbosheth was 40 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned over Israel for two years. <coughs> but the house of David, or the house of Judah, followed David. And in verse 1, we read this a few weeks ago there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. And David grew stronger and stronger, while the house of Saul became weaker and weaker. God is keeping His Word for David. David will be king, not only over Judah, but over all of Israel. And tonight we see Abner coming with a proposition to do just that. Again, Abner was the son of Ner. He was the uncle of Saul. He was also a general, if not the chief general, in Saul's army. And as we saw earlier in this book, Abner was a capable man of war. We saw that in the death of Asahel that we hear of again tonight. But we see that Abner, this evening, he seeks to enter into league with David, into an alliance or a confederacy with David. This shows us that Abner was also very astute politically. He was doing that which was politically expedient. He was joining forces with David. He was not an ignorant man. He knew what the Lord had said concerning David. He knew that David would be king over all Israel. And so Abner, in a real sense, is trying to save his own skin. As he seeks to join with David. And so there are four things we see tonight. In our text, and the first is this, we hear of David's sin and David's sons. We hear of that in the first three verses, 2 through 5 of our text. Now David's sin is revealed in the naming of his wives and, and sons. We know <coughs> that David first and foremost married Michael, the daughter of Saul. We know as well as Saul hated David and began trying to kill him, that he took Michael away from David and gave her to another man that we heard of here this evening, Paltel, the son of Laish. But David had other wives. And he had six sons by six wives in the seven years that he reigned in Hebron. It was David's sin to multiply wives contrary to the law of God. Deuteronomy chapter 17 and, and verse 17 says this concerning the kings of Israel. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself that his heart turn away. Neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. We see David multiplying wives. Now it doesn't surprise us, does it, that Solomon, his son, the one who would follow after David, will do exactly the same thing. And he will do it even better than his father David did. 
And we know that this is a sin. The Bible is clear that marriage is to be between one man and one woman. That for life till death do you part. (coughs) Anything else outside of that is a sin against God's word. Is a sin against the creation ordinance of marriage. And again, we see God does not hide the sins of, of His people. He gives us the name of these six women. He gives us the name of these six sons that were born to David in Hebron. And we'll take notice of some of these sons tonight. You may know three of the names, Ammon, Absalom, and Adonijah. None of these sons became famous, but they became infamous. Absalom, probably the most infamous of them all. We hear David's son by Abigail is called tonight Kiliam. In 1 Chronicles, he is called Daniel, which means God has judgment. See, David's enemies reproached David concerning Kiliab. After all, Kiliab was not only the son of David, but he was the son of Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And so they reproached David by saying, that Kiliab did not really belong to David. It was Nobel's son. But as he grew up, he became like David. And upon that, upon which David then gave him that new name, which gave him the name of Kiliab, which means like his father. We hear of Absalom and his mother is said to be the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur. Now, who was that? Well, he was a heathen king. No doubt David hoped to strengthen his interests by marrying this woman. But this too was one that proved great his grief and shame. Again, if we know the scriptures well, we know what Absalom did to his father David. Absalom sought to take the kingdom from David. It was during one night where that was transpiring that David wrote Psalm 3 and poured out his heart before Jehovah, his God. We know Absalom died shortly thereafter. David grieved the death of Absalom, his son. And then we hear of the last wife named the sixth Ethram of Eglah, David's wife. Now some think this might be a reference to Michael. Again, Michael was his lawful wife. Michael was his first wife, maybe called here by another name. We know that she had no child after she mocked David, but she might have had one before. We we just don't really know. But we see that David followed after the pattern of the world and taking to himself many wives. And this will be a thorn in David's flesh for the rest of his earthly life and for the rest of the time that he is king over Israel. Then second of all, we see Abner coming to David to, to join him in a confederacy or an alliance. We see that in verses 6 through 21. In verses 6 to 11, we see what causes Abner to do this. It was Ishbosheth, the king of Israel. Ishbosheth accused Abner of taking his father's concubine. 
Notice what Abner, how Abner responds to the question, why have you gone into my father's concubine? <coughs> Abner said, am I a dog's head of Judah? To this day, I keep showing steadfast love to the house of Saul, your father. To his brothers, to his friends, have not given you into the hand of David. And yet you charge me today with a fault concerning a woman. God do so to Abner more also, if I do not accomplish for David... Well, the Lord has sworn to him to transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah from Dan to Beersheba. Now, Abner resents the charge going into Saul's concubine. And so he speaks very plainly to Ishbosheth. He reminds Ishbosheth of something I raised you up and I'm going to bring you down. You see, it was Abner that installed Ishbosheth as king over Israel. Now he will bring him down. And he tells Ishbosheth, I am going to fulfill the word that is spoken concerning David. I'm going to make sure that he is king over both Israel and Judah. Verse 11, we read that Ishbosheth could not answer Abner another word because he feared him. And rightly so. Again, Abner was a man of war. It wouldn't have taken much for him to kill Ishbosheth. So Abner then goes and he goes to David and sends messengers <coughs> to David and seeks that confederacy. He says to David in verse 12, To whom does the land belong? Make your covenant with me and behold, my hand shall be with you to bring all Israel to you. And so Abner he is going to make sure that David becomes king. Now, part of this is revenge against Ishbosheth. Another part of this, again, is Abner being a, an astute politician, knowing that David will be king, knowing that he needs to be on the right side of the new king of all Israel. And so David says, Good, I will enter into covenant with you, but there is there's a price. I want Michael, my wife, back. The one that I paid with the hundred foreskins of the Philistines. And so word is sent to Ishbosheth, and Ishbosheth sends and takes Michael from her husband, Paltiel, and her husband goes with her. He's weeping after her, and Abner tells him to go and, and return. And then we hear of Abner's communication with the elders. David has agreed. The price has been paid for the alliance to happen. And so now Abner goes to the elders of Israel and he tells the elders to make David king. He says in verse 17, for some time past you have been seeking David as king over you. Now then bring it about for the Lord has promised saying by the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel from the hand of the Philistines and from the hand of all their enemies. And then he goes and speaks to, to Benjamin. Well, why Benjamin? Because that's where Saul was from. And so he'd have to have the tribe of Benjamin on his side for David to be king over all Israel. And, and after speaking with all these, he went to David at Hebron. And he told David that all Israel and the whole house of Benjamin thought this would be good to do for David to be king 
over all. Now Abner came, we read in verse 20, with 20 men to David at Hebron. David made a feast. And they ate that feast. And Abner said to David, I will rise and go and will gather all Israel to my Lord the King, that they may make a covenant with you and that you may reign over all that your heart desires. And David sends Abner away and he went in peace. This leads third of all to Joab and his murder of Abner. Now who was Joab? Well, Joab was the general of David, the chief general of David, chief man of war for David. We read in verse 22 that Joab and the servants of David, they just returned from a raid and they brought much spoil with them. Abner was not there, but Joab heard that Abner had been there. Now, why would that make Joab angry? Well, again, Abner killed his brother. He killed his brother in battle. And so Joab is not pleased with David at all. And he goes to the king, verse 24, and he says, What have you done? Behold, Abner came to you. Why is it that you have sent him away <clears throat> so that he is gone? You know that Abner, the son of Ner, came to deceive you and to know you're going out and you're coming in and to know all that you are doing. Now, this isn't surprising. If someone killed our brother, we probably would think of him the same way. Joab did not trust Abner at all. He felt like Abner had murdered his brother. And so Joab wants revenge. And so after leaving the king, he sends for Abner. He sends for Abner and they bring Abner back from the cistern of Sirah. David did not know about it. And when Abner returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the midst of the gate to speak with him privately. In other words, he took him down a back alley. And he took out a sword or a dagger and he thrust it into his stomach. And there Abner died. Abner was murdered. Now we know this is a sin for several reasons. Joab was unrighteous and wicked in his murder of Abner. Yes, Abner had killed Asahel, but he killed him in battle. He killed him in war. Joab and Abishai, Asahel's brothers, they pretend here to be the avengers of his blood. But Abner killed their brother in an open war. Abner killed their brother after warning him several times. Turn around. Don't make me kill you. Turn around from pursuing me, but Asael would not. And so Joab murders Abner when there was peace between Abner and David. Again, the confederacy had been made. The alliance had been made between Abner and David. There was peace between these men. They had celebrated a feast, but now Joab murders his enemy. Abner was at that moment that he was murdered in service to David. And so in a sense, when Joab struck Abner, Joab struck David as well. And then the fourth thing we see tonight and hear about is David's mourning. 
for Abner. Now, that might sound strange to us, right? Here was the, the chief soldier for David's enemy, Saul. He has just been murdered and killed. Most kings would rejoice to hear that, but not David. David hears of the murder. In verse 28, after when, when David heard of it, he said, I and my kingdom are forever guiltless before the Lord for the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. May it fall upon the head of Joab and upon all his father's house. And may the house of Joab never be without one who has a discharge or one who is leprous or who holds a spindle or who falls by the sword or who lacks bread. David calls down a curse upon Joab and his family. But then David leads in the morning of Abner. He instructs all the people to tear their clothes and to put on sackcloth and mourn before Abner. David followed the body to the grave and they buried Abner there at Hebron. And it was David himself who lifted up his voice and wept at the grave and lamented for Abner. Notice what he said. Should Abner die as a fool die? David said Abner should not have died as a fool. Abner was fooled out of his life. He did not suspect Joab to murder him that day, but he did. Abner did not deserve to die in this way. But notice Abner died with no hands that were bound or fettered. David had dealt well with Abner. He could have thrown him into prison. He could have dealt harshly with this man and he did not, but Abner fell before the wicked. He was murdered by the wicked. David vowed not to eat bread until the sun went down in his grief. And notice that the people took notice of it. It pleased them. Everything that David did pleased them. They all understood that David had no part in the death of Abner and he reminds them that a prince and a great man fell that day in Israel. And in verse 39, he calls down for the judgment of God. He is content as a private person to leave the judgment in God's hands. Now, should David have done this? After all, David is king. <clears throat> David knows what the penalty is for murder. David should have, in this case, obeyed the word of God. He should have dealt with Joab as a murderer. At the same time, David knew that that would bring even great, greater distress upon his kingdom. But Matthew Henry makes an interesting point. He said, if the law had its course against Joab, perhaps the murder of Ishbosheth, Ammon, and others would have been prevented. It was carnal policy and cruel pity. That spared Joab. And so what application can we make here tonight? We're not king over Israel. Uh, we do not rule over any land tonight. But there is application we can make. And the first is this. Again, David is that king that God calls a man after his own heart. But we see here tonight that David also was a sinner just like us. And this will not be the last time that we see that in 2 Samuel. And we see tonight that the sin that 
caused problems in David's life was the sin of having multiple wives. Now again, what does the Bible say about marriage? Where did God first teach us about marriage? Well, back in creation. But not again. If we go wrong in Genesis 1-11, through we go wrong in the rest of the Bible. That's why it's so very important to get those first 11 chapters of the Bible correct. And that's at the very beginning we hear of God bringing the woman to Adam and giving her in marriage. Now we know Moses allowed for a certificate of divorce and we know why as we've looked at those passages. But we understand that marriage is to be between a man and a woman for the rest of their days. And what do we hear today? Well, we hear many different things, don't we? We hear many teachings going against the biblical ordinance of marriage, even in the church. You've had denominations and churches once that were strong in the faith, now saying it is okay for homosexuals to marry. We must hold to the biblical view of marriage. We must not allow in the church unbiblical views or unbiblical practices in marriage. Now, as we do that, we're going to be what? We're going to be put down. We're going to be persecuted. But we must contend for the faith. We must tell this society in which we live that marriage is good. It's good for men and women to marry, but they are to marry in the way that God Himself has laid it out. Second, we see the danger of unbridled anger. We see that in Joab, do we not? Joab was angry. Many would say he had every right to be angry. His brother was killed by by Abner, but he let that anger get the best of him. And we are not to be uncontrollable in our anger. Why? Because it always leads to greater sin. Paul tells us, do not let the sun set. On your anger. And so we're not to let anger get the best of us. We are to keep it under control before it destroys us. And there should be no anger among fellow believers in Christ. As we heard this morning, we're not to be keeping grudges in the church. Neither are we to let our son, the sun go down or our anger with a brother or sister in the Lord. Third, in David's mourning for Abner, we see the righteousness of David. Again, he was king. He could have already taken care of Abner. But he welcomed him to a feast. He heard him out and he decided to make an alliance with this man. And then after Abner was murdered, we see the righteousness of David as he mourned for this man that once was his enemy, but now was a man that had joined with David. Now how was David righteous? We have seen his sin, right? We have seen the sin of him taking multiple wives and having sons by those multiple wives. How can this man be righteous? Well, you see, he is righteous because of the righteousness of another, the Messiah. You see, it's God who says that David is a man after his own heart. That's God's testimony of David, not ours. And David was a man after God's own heart. Yes, 
he sinned. But yet at the same time, we know that he would repent of his sin. And he looked forward to that Messiah who would come one day and die for the sins of his people. And you see, that is how we are righteous tonight as well. We are not righteous because of what we do. We are righteous because of what Jesus has done for us. There are millions of people tonight trying to earn their way to heaven. If they just do one more good work, if they just say one more prayer with the right form, they will one day make it. And the Bible tells us that none of them will make it. They will go to hell. Because none of us are perfect. None of us are as righteous as we should be in our own works. We are to be perfect. And only Jesus has accomplished that for us. When we look at the first advent of Christ, what do we see? We see a perfect life. We see a life and a man who never sinned against God in thought and word and in deed. Even if we get it right one day and never outwardly sin, we have a wrong thought. Or we lust with our eyes or we lust in our mind and we sin. Jesus never did any of that. And he went to the cross as that perfect sacrifice for sinners. And tonight we are righteous if we know him in faith and repentance because his righteousness has been imputed to us. Now you know the sins of this day. You know the sins you have committed today. But when God looks at us tonight, He does not see those sins. He sees the righteousness of Jesus. You see, that is the only way that a sinful man can be righteous in the sight of God. To be clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And let me ask you, have you been clothed with that righteousness? If not, again, what must you do? You must come to Christ. You must forsake your sin. You must turn from your wickedness and you must trust solely in Jesus and Him alone. And when you do that, you get a change of clothes, a a change of robes from a black, filthy robe filled with sin and despair to a robe that is pure and white and the righteousness of Jesus. And in the day of His second coming, that is how we will be able to stand before Him. Clothed in His righteousness. Trusting solely in His finished work. May God add His blessing to the reading, hearing, and preaching of the Lord. Let us pray. O Lord our God, we thank You tonight for Your Word. And we thank You, O God, that You do not hide the sins of the most prominent of men and women in the Scriptures. And, O Lord, we know that even though David was a sinner, that You saved him. And You redeemed him by the blood of Your Son. And we pray tonight for any who may be here this evening and know not Christ, that You would redeem them, show them their sin and their need of a Savior, and then take them by Your Spirit to the Lord Jesus, the only Savior for sinful man. May we look to that finished work of Christ on the cross in faith. And may we turn from our sins. And as we do that, O God, we know that You give to us a righteousness that is perfect. 
And that you impute to us that righteousness of your Son, the Lord Jesus. And we pray this in His name. Amen.